To preface, this is a relational podcast. We are not certified mental health experts. We are here to talk about real-life examples from firsthand experiences. Listener discretion is advised. We hope you relate. We hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Shoelaces and Sunshine podcast. My name's Rachel. And I'm Janet. Let's converse mental health. How are you, Janet? I'm doing great. How about you, Miss Rachel? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, given given this time of year, it's been almost about a year since we've been in quarantine and things like that. So it's funny in the sense that I'm seeing a lot of memes on social media, but it's also not funny because it's really sad when you think about it. You know what I mean? Well, that's a very good statement, but you're as your aunt of a very old age, I do not know what a meme is. <laughs> what? I you know sorry. like you know like how do I even explain a meme? You know how like pictures have like funny sayings around them and then like you're like look at this like graphic or like this picture and it's just like me when I go to the park or me when I go on a jog and it's like a lady who's just really struggling to run that's like a meme okay. or something like that okay. or like I'm trying to think of any memes that you might know I have no idea like, is it when people have, they turn their head into something different? No. No, <laughs> not that kind of thing. Because I've seen those. On, <laughs> I've seen I've seen that where somebody, you know, puts a different head on their body. <laughs> they become a cat head. I think that's, that's just Photoshop. Like, oh. <laughs> uh. Well, then it's like when is a meme like I saw the other day on maybe it was TikTok, like this guy was jumping rope and he was jumping rope really fast. And then he looked at the camera. <laughs> no, it's not a meme either. No, my my jaw is on the floor right now. Did you just say on TikTok? Do you have TikTok? <laughs> I don't. Why <What>? don't? <laughs> I don't have TikTok either, but I don't know. I think maybe they show it on TV. <laughs> I know. They describe know. it as a TikTok, but like on the news. <laughs> it was if it was news. just like a video. That's just a video. Okay. <laughs> but it was funny because he was jumping rope like he was going forward, like he was going for a walk. Oh, you know, real fast. And then he'd look at the camera. He'd turn his head and look at the camera and smile. Like, oh, okay, no, not me. I, no, not me. I couldn't do that. Like, <laughs> no, no. And it was like something you weren't really supposed to be able to do. So uh, that's what I think of when I think of memes. Or t- <laughs> I always thought TikTok was something that people did that was funny. Yes. Okay. Like, but I wouldn't consider that to be like a meme okay. necessarily. So, like, an example of a meme, I feel like my fellow college students can <laughs> relate to this concept. The picture, it's a picture, okay. it's a graphic, and okay. it's of the popular game Animal Crossing. 
Okay. You, I, you've heard me talk about Animal Crossing. I got it like uh, during the summer to play and you, you own your own island and you have fruits. And yes. Stuff. yes. Yes. So it's one of the Animal Crossing characters looking in the mirror. But instead of seeing her own reflection, it's a clown, right? Mm. And okay, the caption for the picture states, when you thought you were getting just an extra two weeks on spring break and now it's a year later, talking about COVID. Okay. And it's you looking into the mirror and it's a clown. That's an example of like a meme. You know what I mean? Okay. The more, the more you know, but... That was not how I was expecting the beginning of the podcast to go. <laughs> but it's good to have everybody back. We're happy to hear from you guys, uh, see you guys, even though we haven't heard or seen from any of you. <laughs> I'm going to shameless pu- plug our uh, our Gmail account right now just because I think of that. we should. Janet at Rachel at gmail.com. J-A-N-E-T-A-N-D-R-A-C-H-E-L at gmail.com. Let's start a conversation, basically. Let's converse, actually. Let's converse. Um, we actually have like a pretty exciting agenda for you guys today, but we also wanted to start off this podcast by kind of giving a nice little trigger warning reminder for people that just based off the content that we are going to be speaking about today. So, Janet, do you want to um, discuss what our topic is for today? Yeah, I think... Oh, sweet. Those are memes, <laughs> Janet. Okay. <laughs> My ne- <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay, these are fussy. I've never seen them. My nephew had is sharing the screen with me to let me know what a meme is. And yes, they are funny. And I should actually remember that if I need a little uh, pick-me-up, I should uh, look memes. for some memes. Yeah. Or buy another Squishmallow. I don't know. Or buy another Squishmallow. That's right. Yeah. Our topic is a little bit more heavy than what we've talked about in the past. We're still, you know, on our mental health, of course, topic. We are going to discuss dual diagnoses today. And they are very, I can't come up with another word besides popular, but they do kind of go hand in hand. Well-known. Pardon? Well-known. Like well known, um, common, common, yeah, abundant, yes. Oh, good, yes. See, we need to have our very special and loving guest come on uh, soon because he is our loving Rachel's brother and my wonderful nephew. <laughs> I know I had to think about it, but <laughs> which is sad because. That shows you what lag time I have in my own brain. But they mix in in a way that one can come and when we talk about dual diagnoses, I should say that we're talking about substance use disorder and mental health disorder. Yes. And we're talking about them coming together. Correct. We're talking about one coming in to, let's say you have a mental health diagnosis and you take a substance use disorder like alcohol. So you use alcohol to take away some of the pain 
mm-hmm. internal pain that you feel or you have your your you you start to use alcohol and it triggers that genetic Process. part of your brain that has the that you're born with that genetic gene or genetic part of your body that has the mental illness disorder in it and right. so that alcohol that you are drinking is the catalyst to that yeah i get what you're saying pull it back real quick just a little bit we are throwing this trigger warning in here for anybody that mm-hmm. is sensitive to the topics of addiction whether it be alcoholism substance abuse opioid crises my bad anything like that anything that has to do with mental health on a deeper level more than just kind of like a feeling more than just like everyday occurrence this is more of like a serious topic so if this is something that you know is not for you we're happy to have the guests that we have on today. Uh, we have none other than my brother, Nathan, here today. Do you want to say hello to everybody? Hello. It's nice can to see you. Can you hear me? You. Yes. Yes, we can. You see me Welcome, all the time. Welcome, Nate. We were just giving the alert about the, not the depth, but the... The seriousness? I think this, I, seriousness and the, it, it's such an important topic, mm-hmm. but it, it is, is very very serious in that it is it's a life-threatening topic and I also want to say a, a kind of piggyback piggyback on to what Rachel said and that is that we need to clarify again that we are not medical doctors nor will uh, we ever be nor will we ever <laughs> be but we are we have I have a, a diagnosis of a mental of a mental illness and we experience, you know, anxiety and depression. And we of course live through this pandemic with everyone and we want to provide support to people. And like Rachel said, we, we bring in Nate who is uh, very knowledgeable on the biological side of the alcoholism, the addiction of that, of the brain and how it affects us. And so with that, we'd like to have you go ahead, Nate. And Well, I, I mean, the brain is a very unique organ in your body. I mean, I could start anywhere. Is there a, uh, is there a specific question you wanted to ask? Or I was going to say, uh, I was going to preface the conversation when I jumped in and you started talking about substance abuse and mental health dual diagnoses, as you called it. A lot of substance abuse problems are brought about because of mental illness. Mental mental illness is what spurs the substance abuse in most occasions, I would say. Sometimes mm-hmm. substance abuse, I mean, there's, there could be something in your life that is very tragic or moves you mentally that is very, very moving. And you turn to something that is not good for you, a substance of some sort that ends up turning into a mental illness. But more often than not, it is usually the illness that spurs these substance abuse problems. That's I feel fun. like I feel like a lot of the time as well, since you brought that up, Nate, like when you were dealing firsthand with <clears throat> like 
or we're not dealing with it firsthand, but people that deal with uh, substance abuse, alcoholism, things like that firsthand. And they're dealing with this deep and dark, like, just like prolonged, like addiction, essentially, because there's a difference between having like, let's say a caffeine addiction, than having like, an opioid addiction, like a painkiller addiction, stuff like that. A lot of the times people don't necessarily know or they're not aware of like the mental health like that That's underlies a- with that. And I knew I know you guys before uh, we started recording, we're talking about the biological side as well. So uh, Janet and Nate, would you like to emphasize on that concept as well? Sure. Well, a lot of people are different. It's, well, specifically, everyone is different. But, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different reasons why people don't come to terms with it, whether they don't accept it or they don't want to accept it or they, you know, don't want to amount to face it or just simply they're not knowledgeable enough on the topic. And all of those play into the whole misinformation about whatever mental illness you may be experiencing. So every mental illness that comes about brings physical problems, but all of them start from a chemical standpoint in your brain. We were talking earlier that the, um, and it, you, you said something about it. It was, I forget what it was, but it was like, it, it affects something in your brain. And was like, you, Oh, I know that you were talking the about the, like the hippocampus. Is it? The- <laughs> no. Oh, that's a, that's a band. Is that like a brain thing too? It is a band. It, it is, is a band. A band. But it, is, it is, it is also a, a part of your brain. Yes. Oh, so I'm correct. Yeah. So, well, it's a hypothalamus, right? Yeah. Nate? Damn yeah. It. So there's, <laughs> So the there's a there's a part of your brain it's sort of in the center at the at the core of your brain mm-hmm. kind of looks like a wishbone a little bit it's called the hypothalamus it is responsible for many many things about the way you feel and the way your body wants to feel and all of that but it controls your emotions it is responsible for um releasing hormones many 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 different types of hormones that make you feel many different types of ways it's known as the part of the brain that bridges your immune system and your endocrine system. Mm-hmm. So we break that okay. down a little bit. So the immune system is the way your body defends against infections like COVID-19 in this pandemic. <laughs> and it's connected with the endocrine system because the way you feel physically, as difficult as it may sound, but the way you feel physically also affects the way you feel mentally. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Essentially, what I'm saying is you need that part of the brain to actually bridge that barrier. So otherwise, it wouldn't make sense logically uh, how we are as humans. Anyways, the hypothalamus is, is a very important part of your brain, and it's responsible for making you feel the way that you are if you do undergo a mental strain or you do get diagnosed with a mental illness. It is releasing more of a hormone that you would normally not be releasing, whether it be uh, the hormone that makes you stressed or the hormone that makes you sad or the hormone that makes mm-hmm. you happy. Yeah. So that's, that's the I, science side of it. Why, why you feel that way. I have a couple questions for you, Nate. Um, I have a couple regarding... answers for you. Okay, cool. <laughs> there you um, go. When it comes to our uh, hypothalamus, could you elaborate in a way about how the hypothalamus has to do with kind of, is it genetics, basically, that builds your hypothalamus? Like, okay. And then external factors like substance abuse can affect your hypothalamus as well. Do you want to talk about that 
in regard to like maybe addiction? Yeah. So substance abuse and both developing mental illness separately can be because of genetics. So doctors will often tell you that if you, when you go in, they can just look at your genetic code. They, they can look at your genome and say, oh, you have a, you have a, your family has a history of this, whatever it may be. If depression, anxiety, bipolar, if it runs in your family, they'll know that sort of thing just by looking at your genome, which is, I mean, part of the reason why I like this stuff. It's so fascinating to just look at, there's only four different types of nucleotides that make up your genome. And you just read a series of four different letters and you know exactly just because it's in a specific place that you know exactly what someone will go through. But the reason why I say is that it could be genetics is they can see that and and they can see that if you would go through that. But the topic today is dual diagnoses. So that would be both of them together. So, and the genetics is something that is often misconstrued as it's not changed like it like it's just something you got from your family Mm -hmm. but it is in constant it can be changed uh, through environmental the environment that you're in and that means also that it can be changed because of your like it also i mean environmental your your environment around you it's not just the physical part of it but it's also the mental part too so there's a lot of crossroads with both of these, both substance abuse and mental illness. There's a lot of crossroads. There's a, it's, it's a very complex thing. There's a lot of things that affect it. So you can't solely place it on one specific thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's the complicated answer. But it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the complicated answer. But it can, it can be genetic, yes. There's many, many instances that develop because it runs in someone's family or they put themselves in a very traumatic situation that might cause them to develop something. Yes. I think it's crazy though, because this idea of like tying like the genetic side of like substance abuse and mental disorders and stuff, like I feel like at least being as old as I am surrounded by the people that I am in a society that we live in don't really kind of correlate the two, especially being like a college student. I feel like college students drink alcohol so much that like they don't see the warning signs and then tie it to that mental side as well. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense? Yes, I I think you are. Okay. So how do y'all feel about that idea essentially just like because I feel like substance abuse is something that we can see without noticing that it can be tied to a mental disorder essentially because like especially being in college Nathan I bet you can relate with me you see people drink on a daily basis essentially Mm -hmm. so and like why doesn't anyone think of it like is it just because they're having a good time or is it because of something different you know what I mean and I've actually done a little bit of research on this as well the idea of dealing with those underlying uh, mental health conditions can really affect how you drink alcohol, essentially, especially being a college student. If you are a, let's say, an anxious or a depressed person going into drinking, trying to take that edge off really quickly, getting into high sensitive situations, you can really kind of, it's very dangerous, essentially, I would say. Yeah. So uh, going back to what you initially asked me, you said that uh, people 
don't usually recognize it as a mental illness problem. They, and that, that's also very common. Ends up being too late to the point where they go to the doctor and realize, oh, all this time it's been you know, depression or whatever it is. And it's because people's minds just don't jump to that, I don't think. They go through all of this and they're like, why do I feel this way? And they essentially think that it, it most times it has to be a physical thing. Or they were like, why? Because I feel physically wrong. Why am I like what physically happened to me? And it, it could just be nothing. It could just be the way you're living your life. And it's it's how your brain interprets all of it and is why you feel that way. It can it most essentially develop into a physical pain. It very much can. And people just don't come to terms with that. They don't they don't initially think that of that unless mental health is, is apparent in their lives in some other instance. I think I, I would agree with you because I'm thinking about it as well. Um, Janet, we've talked about this in episodes past the idea that kind of in a society that me and Nathan live in the generation that we grew up in and live in today, mental health is kind of like normalized in a way that like maybe it can be considered quote unquote cool. It's cool to be sad. You know what I mean? Like sad kids club. Like what's up? You know well, what I mean? Not, yeah, it's not. But like that's how it's normalized like through influencers and artists and stuff like that and then for janet let's say your generation you grew up in this idea that like if you had a mental health like diagnosis you don't talk about it it's kind of quote shameful you know what i mean so it's kind of it's interesting to see how the two ideas turn are basically the direct opposites of each other but at the same time they both have very negative side effects if you have my like if you what am I trying to say? If I, in my opinion, there we go. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it is exactly polar opposite how it's mm-hmm. viewed between these generations. I mean, hearing what some people would say around me in high school, I mean, for those of you who are older, Rachel is right. I mean, when we were when we were younger than we are now, people would make up very common things that a lot of different people experience that they're not experiencing on their mental strain, like you, depression. Depression was very common that I heard you, people say, and and they would do it for attention. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they they want that attention. They want people to pity them, and it's a it's a guilted power trip thing. I also feel like to include on that, it's not necessarily that they want people to pity them. It's this idea that they have like people like influencers and celebrities that they look up to. Like you look at, I actually did an interview about this topic with a film major at OU last year. And he basically said like, children these days have celebrity icons, essentially, that are like Billie Eilish. And Billie Eilish's music is very dark and it can be very serious. I keep saying essentially, but very dark and very kind of deep. And Mm -hmm. children or like young adults, teenagers that don't have that grasp about what that is can interpret it in a way that like, oh, she's so successful. She's so cool. She's very good at what she does, but she's depressed. So I'm depressed. You know what I mean? It's it's like an aesthetic, basically, and it shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or do they think that it's cool? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like yeah. they want they want I don't that know why they think that they but, want that label yeah. that comes with it when in reality, like I remember being in high school and having no like no idea how serious like mental health can actually get. You know what I mean? That was probably the cusp of identity culture 
like being sparred. Yeah. Yeah. If now that I think about it, you look at people, you look up to people. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but I feel like if I say the words died of a drug overdose, you can name like five celebrities off the top of your head or suicide. Like did Michael Jackson die of an overdose? Yes, he did. Yeah. I did not not know that you look at. And it was, it it was an opioid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tied with mental health. Robin Williams committed suicide. I know that. Juice World overdose too. Yeah, and like a lot of rappers, yeah. I've been out of high school for three years, going on four. Kid that was in my grade who dropped out of high school junior year to pursue rapping, right? He got pretty big for the most part. Like he knew a lot of people oh, that yeah. were like actually made it. Talking about and talking stuff. about Chase. Yeah, I'm talking about Chase. If anybody knows of the rapper named Six Dogs. Six Dogs attended my high school and he dropped to pursue a career in rapping and music, which he was really good at. It was a very, it was a very good niche for him. And he was very, at least from what I could see on the outside, very humble man, in my opinion, very accredited and such a great dude. Right. And he actually uh, committed suicide probably a month ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was believed to be from depression. Yeah. So. That's why I told you to cut out. That's a true fact, you know? Very recent, too. Yeah. It was um, maybe two or three weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which, yeah. No, it's it's very sad to to look upon. But it's like, it's that same idea that we talk about all the time, Janet. It's just you never know what people are going through. Going through. Ever. And sometimes people have mental health underlying mental health conditions that are masked by that drug abuse that alcohol abuse like things like that and like that's when they get to like let's say their breaking point and that's why i feel like we see a lot of rappers in like at least uh gen z's society that either commit suicide or they uh overdose Mm -hmm. you know like it's glamorized and it shouldn't be you know that's an interesting statement it's it is almost as if it's put out there as you know something that is i don't want it celebrated isn't the word but right it's glamorized um, yeah it's, it's glamorized. like it's popularized in a way mm-hmm. that i me and nathan are college students now and students will claim not to have a good weekend unless they're really really <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, that that's true. And and then the explanation to that, and you kind of alluded to this last week, Rachel, because somebody told you, you know, all oh, the college years, those are the best years because that's when you can really <laughs> let loose and you're get away supposed with it. to yeah. and get away with all of that. And like we've said before, there are some people who are, who are able to you know drink to excess and it not af- it not affect them to the point of addiction and i feel and like then, that's the worst that's the worst they, type you know what i mean like if you can not get that uh, like that sense that it's maybe maybe what you're doing is a little addictive or maybe what you're <laughs> doing is the reason why you have happiness you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i mean being in college i'm not 
going to name names or anything. I bet Nathan can also relate to me. We've seen a lot of people go through like these types of like substance abuse, whether it be smoking cigarettes or smoking weed or like these substances that get passed around on college campuses, cocaine, things like Mm -hmm. that. And they rely their happiness on it. And at that point, at a young age, it's a very, it's a very young age. And you sit here and it's not like I'm being judgmental, but it's just like, I think people need to be more cognizant of the idea of the warning signs that come with it. There's a difference between being a college student and trying it to try it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause you're in right. college and you can then doing it on a weekly basis and thinking it's okay. You know what I mean? Right. And it becoming something that you need to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to, to just make, I, I think to just mention is that in both an addiction and in a mental health disorder, we were talking about the hypothalamus and the hormones that it releases. It's also known as the reward center of the brain. And in those cases, somebody who has an addiction to something and has a mental health disorder or has just one, which which, like we said throughout this this time frame, one is usually not necessarily the fact. One might come before the other. But what the sign is, is that we're finding that those people have low levels of dopamine, which means that they're less happy. They're not happy. Mm-hmm. Their brain is um, not creating the hormone anymore that would make them feel happiness. It's that simple. Correct. And that's what starts it. That's what starts it all. Yeah. Is and that then, looking for substances to increase those dopamine levels and then creating a dependency on it? Correct. That makes that makes sense. I mean, I'm not your biology girl, but that makes a lot of sense. Hey, and you're pretty what cool, happened- though. Thank you. You are. We'll take you. <laughs> we'll take you. Thank Even you. if you um, don't know biology. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm your words girl. Write okay. a sentence. That's right. I'll That's talk, right. check it for grammar, you know? Like, <laughs> one of the things that just to separate the two, because this is a big topic and we, sh- we might want to save um, it for another day too. Just yeah. kind of like a two part thing. Two part thing. So, just to kind of mention to leave with you to think about before we leave you for the day is that with when we talk about addiction you're really pursuing the alcohol or the drugs for some kind of reward you know you're drinking it might be you went I mean, we consider it a depressant but we find people who become addicted to those things because they're trying to cover up something that's hurting. Mm-hmm. So they're pursuing those in an unhealthy way. They're pursuing something that's giving them what they think is a f- really is a false reward because it's not healthy to mask the pain. When in um, 
a mental health having a if it starts out with a mental health disorder when you get into uh, substance abuse or substance any type of substance abuse what you're what the person is looking for is relief from that pain right so you know it's pursuing the reward or it's looking for relief yeah that makes sense and it's kind of do you put the cart before the horse (laughs) you know and it's whatever it happens with the dual diagnosis they both need to be treated at the same time mm-hmm. that's another issue you know part of that and and like i said it's a big it's so like nate was telling us it's such a complex issue because it takes a lot to come off of a substance use disorder and it takes a lot to learn about what's causing the pain that right. you're covering. Right. So I think that we've had a wonderful discussion and Nate, you've been really helpful. Um, I would agree. Thank you. I hope that we've been helpful to the to our listeners too. We should definitely pick this back up at some point because I feel like when there's something as serious as uh, what we're discussing today and all the all the moving pieces that come with this idea and how many differentiated cases that come with this disorder and the cart before the horse, like you were saying right. necessarily, I feel like there is uh, a reason why we should come back and talk about the help and the positive side of doing these things too, so... I think that is something we should pick back up next week. I think so too. Okay. I think so too. And one of the things we were we were talking about was maybe we can look at it from a different angle. Like I was telling Nate and Rachel, you know, before the pandemic, we were looking at a public health issue of the opioid crisis. And it seemed like when the pandemic hit, you know, that was the main focus. And I'm not saying it shouldn't shouldn't have been but it didn't take away that opioid crisis that was happening you know it's still yeah it's still there still apparent honestly curious throughout this whole thing as well like you said you're not saying it shouldn't have been the the primary focus but we have a death statistic for for this virus but i want to see a statistic for the people, all the people who were diagnosed with a mental health illness during this whole thing, and how many people who feel less happy than they were. Well, everyone feels less happy, I would assume. I think you want to pinpoint one suicide rates, two, how many people have actively so- like sought out help during this time and place. Because if anyone knows, I did. So that's a thing. And then like just the overall happiness of people per capita, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those are the things that you want to look up because at the end of the day is the virus deadly? Absolutely. But at the same time as well, there are so many moving parts to this idea. Like the opioid crisis did not go away. Like it's still a thing. And the story I wanted to tell y'all real quick before we head <laughs> out as well is Ketchum did this art installation piece. What's Ketchum, Rachel? Oh my God, Ketchum is a global PR and communications firm. They did this art installation. I 
can't remember for where or for what, but for the opioid crisis, they got this local artist to carve the people's faces who were victim to overdosing on opioids, painkillers, into just individual pills and put them on a wall. <gasps> oh isn't, that, isn't that like unbelievable? Like, I literally, if you want to look that up, just look up like opioid crises pill installation i don't even know what to look up but like there is so much that people do to put this like idea into perspective as well and that really made me think of it when we were talking about that earlier i thought that i would bring that up but yeah that had don't know what if you don't know what to look up then how about they just take your word for it just take my (laughs) word for it awesome cool (laughs) we'll vouch for rachel's word nice (laughs) it was it was everyone's individualized face on a pill and you know how small pills are yeah Yeah. it was it was awesome just to like kind of see the the effect it left on people which was really Mm -hmm. inspiring too i guess yeah Hmm. yeah it's it didn't stop we stopped talking about it but it didn't stop so well, thank you, everybody, again you. for coming and listening to us chit chat. And we'll be back. You were a huge part of this and a, a great resource for us. And we hope you come and talk with us again. Thanks for having me. Oh, sure. You're fun. Until next week, you guys, uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about us and the work that we do, as well as find previous episodes, please visit www.shoelacesandsunshine.com.